I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINnetwork.com. This is RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Welcome. In today's podcast, you get a special treat, an advanced preview of some of the major security trends we'll be watching in 2023, drawing from both the RAIN worldview and RAIN threat lens forecasts. A bit of a teaser, so to speak. Here with the down low is RAIN's Director of Analysis, Sam Lichtenstein. Welcome aboard, Sam. Thanks, Emily. Great to be here. What are some of the big stories you're watching for 2023? Sure. So obviously very excited to share both the worldview and threat lens forecasts with all of our readers. Uh, but for those listeners right now, the one a little advanced preview, I'll go over a couple of the major things we're looking at. Obviously, we need to start with the war in Ukraine. Uh, this is going to continue to be the dominant security story throughout 2023. We do not foresee any sort of a ceasefire, let alone a some sort of sustainable peace agreement as at all likely in 2023. Now, what that likely means is that it's going to be some sort of a stalemate. Russia has now effectively dug in into the eastern, southeastern parts of the country. Ukraine will continue to receive Western military support uh, that will continue to make some sort of probing advances. uh, But Russian positions are much better defended uh, where they are now. Obviously, they've lost a lot of territory, but what they have is now much better defended. And that's going to make it much harder for Ukraine to make advances. But it's also, of course, going to scope a lot of the Russian activity. They're not going to be able to break out in a a way that they obviously initially hoped to be able to do and will instead work on solidifying what they currently have. Now, one thing we do want to flag, though, is that this doesn't mean that you're not going to see disruptive uh, and lethal attacks elsewhere in the country. Russia obviously already in the past few weeks has unleashed a whole barrage of just threatening attacks to Kiev, other major cities in central and western Ukraine that are outside of the main battle lines. Uh, And that's something that's going to continue into the new year, particularly during the first quarter, uh, which is, of course, going to be very challenging winter months for Ukraine. And so we should expect to continue to see Russian attacks, uh, both physically and in cyberspace, against critical infrastructure, uh, ranging from electricity to power, water, etc., trying to essentially make life miserable for Ukrainians. And of course, this also is going to have uh, secondary risks that affect other areas of the world. Uh, For one thing, we're expecting to see a new influx of Ukrainian refugees fleeing towards Europe. Uh, We're going to continue to see Russia threatened to escalate uh, as a means of trying to perhaps counterintuitively deter Europe and the rest of the West from becoming more involved with threats like uh, floating the idea of tactical nuclear weapons uh, with the threats of uh, acting in cyberspace against European and Western targets, all things that Russia is de- designed to do to basically coerce West uh, Western countries to basically try to pressure Kiev to end the offensive, uh, which overall is going to lead to a continuing blood stalemate. Uh, We don't expect any sort of hope on that front in 2023. 
beyond Ukraine. The other major area that I'd really like to flag, uh, among many other competing security threats, is what we're likely to see from Iran. Um, to be quite honest, the, the Iranian nuclear issue has really fallen off the proverbial radar as the war in Ukraine has continued. Uh, and this is really going to become a major flashpoint in 2023. Um, negotiations between Iran and the West are effectively on life support, for lack of a better term. Uh, we actually have, at the end of the year, a number of key deadlines from the 2015 JCPOA agreement that are going to be lapsing. And so what we expect to see over the course of the year is a period of steadily rising tensions between Iran and the West, namely Israel, the United States, and a number of Gulf countries. And how that manifests uh, is really going to be of great sincerity concern, particularly in the Middle East, but also elsewhere. Uh, we've seen over the past few years that Iran has a much higher risk tolerance for operations both in the real world and cyberspace uh, than a number of other threat actors do. And it's not doesn't hesitate to use physical force uh, and, and lethal force when it wants to strike out. And so as you see the nuclear talks continuing to, to fail and, and we don't foresee uh, any sort of a, a serious deal as, as likely in 2023, that's only going to raise the risk of Iran lashing out, uh, trying to coerce uh, Israel in particular. And this is the specific risk I'd like to flag is that Israel, of course, uh, of all the regional states, has the highest threat perception from Iran and has made very clear that it's willing to engage in very aggressive operations to do anything to prevent Iran from having a nuclear weapon. And so do we risk seeing another bat, uh, another round of tit-for-tat attacks between the two countries? Something only time will tell in 2023, but a major risk that, that we're tracking. What are some of the developments that are not making daily headlines that our listeners should be paying attention to. So a few things that we definitely want to flag for, for listeners. Obviously, there are a whole host of security considerations uh, that make the headlines. But what we really want to do, of course, is always point to those that aren't necessarily on the front page. So let me start out with a potentially actually good news story that I'm so, sorry to say is probably not going to lead, though, where everybody is hoping for. And that's actually in Colombia, uh, where at the end of 2022, we've seen the resumption of peace talks uh, between the Colombian government and a number of dissident uh, groups, particularly the ELN, which is now the, la the largest uh, remaining kind of paramilitary group um, that has really has leftist origins that has also taken on kind of a, a drug trafficking persona, so to speak. Uh, and the Colombian government, uh, under the leadership of its new leftist president, Gustavo Petro, has restarted negotiations with the ELN uh, among approximately a dozen other groups. And so there is some hope that you may see a little temporary, temporarily at least reduction in violence in the country uh, as negotiations are ongoing. And there is actually some potential that you actually end up with some sort of agreement with at least some of these groups. The challenge is that any sort of negotiation uh, among these various groups is going to be under constant threat of collapse, either because the government doesn't want to be accused of conceding too much, rebel groups don't want to give up their lucrative illicit activities, not least of which is drug trafficking, uh, and even if you do have an agreement, as we saw with the FARC in 2016, 
what you end up with, unfortunately, is a number of fighters that might demobilize, but also many others that decide that they don't want to go along with a plan and end up simply being dissident groups. So Colombia is one area that I definitely want to emphasize because you do have this potential uh, for some security improvements, but the sad reality is that uh, there are actually going to be a number of constraints on the success of those panning out. Another area that I'd really flag uh, in particular uh, is the Sahel in Africa. Uh, this is a story that uh, has not made headlines in the West in the same way uh, because the fighting has for now been very much contained to places like Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, countries that candidly simply don't have a lot of attention uh, from European, North American, other Western governments. Uh, but for the people on the ground there, this is a huge story, and, and it's namely one of jihadist expansion across across the region uh, for a number of years that's really been reaching a breaking point uh, over the course of 2022 where you had these insurgencies that are are various affiliated with groups like Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, and then a whole host uh, of regional groups that they've been making steady advances uh, across the Sahel and slowly making their way uh, down to the coastal states of literal West Africa, uh, places that have typically not seen this type of violence like Ghana, uh, Senegal, etc., And as we go into 2023, our big concern is, do we see some of these groups start to really now push down to some of these coastal countries in a way that they have yet been able to do? Uh, We've seen them kind of conducting a lot of cross-border attacks, uh, probing operations, but our concern is as they gain speed uh, elsewhere in the Sahel, uh, are they able to finally push out and threaten more capitals, uh, not only in places like Burkina Faso and Mali, where they're already very much active, uh, but down to places that have not seen this type of violence before. Uh, so that's a second area that I'd really flag for our listeners, and, and one that, uh, while it has yet to affect Western countries, uh, when you have these massive areas of insecurity and instability, of course, you become concerned that one day groups that may be operating there are able uh, to not only conduct attacks locally, uh, but start to set their sights higher. And that's where we start to get concerned about whether any of these groups will one day turn their attention uh, to even more important regional countries, or of course, most concerningly, uh, to Western countries. So Sam, let's talk about some steps that businesses can take to prepare. Of course. And, you know, this is what we talk about a lot, Emily, with our clients, as you all know, is it's important to get intelligence, but it's only important if we can figure out a plan to, to act on it. Uh, and so there are a number of things that we want our clients to be thinking about. Um, Obviously, the, when we speak with all of our clients, we're, we're giving as tailored advice as we can, but there are a number of best practices uh, that we can point to. And so broadly, I'd say that we always want to start with an organization mapping out its risk profile. And what, what that means is essentially starting with the questions of, okay, where am I operating? What are the types of risks that I'm already considering? Think about whether there are supply chain security concerns, cyber threat concerns, uh, physical security concerns to actual employee safety or um, physical locations. And then also think, what are the risks that I don't actually have right now, but that potentially are on the horizon? Uh, is a war going to break out in a country that I have a lot of operations in? Um, am I going to need to consider whether an election uh, in this particular country could trigger political violence in 2023? So starting to think about not only the risks that are already there, but the ones that could emerge in the coming year. 
once you've started to map that out, we then need to actually go about collecting the information. And so we talk about various different sources and methods that we can get information. And that, of course, uh, is something that we do here at Rain using a whole lot of tradecraft. Uh, but it really means being open to developing a coherent intelligence of picture, drawing from a whole variety of sources, whether it's uh, social media monitoring, uh, whether it's actually speaking to people on the ground and trying to get direct intelligence, uh, whether it's about putting those pieces together then into an actual form of concrete analysis. And that's the third step. We don't just want to look at pieces of intelligence in isolation, but actually put them into cohesive story. And this is what, of course, me and my colleagues do every day. We take kind of discrete bits of information, uh, all of which say something on their own, but actually are much more powerful in making a persuasive case for analysis when you put them together. And so that's what we hope uh, some of our listeners are able to do with their own organizations. And as you know, Emily, whenever they want some assistance, we, we look forward to hearing from them. Sam, that was great. Thank you so much. Of course. Sam Lichtenstein is RAIN's Director of Analysis. Our forecasts deliver both strategic and tactical risk intelligence to global businesses. RAIN is the only business in the risk management industry that actually helps clients take action through our network of risk experts. Find out about RAIN's unique approach to risk management at RAINnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.